Hello and welcome to the Right for Life podcast. I'm Ian Broom. I'm Dennis Sorensen. And um, and today we have a very exciting episode of the podcast, obviously. Um, I've no idea what it's about though, so here's Donna to tell you. <laughs> um, well, do you know what, Ian? Our T- podcast is always really, really exciting. <laughs> but this week in my life, something really exciting happened. Which is very, is very indicative of the modern age. I think I got excited about a selfie that I took. Go on. Uh, it's not just any old selfie. I don't know whether I've ever taken a selfie before. Actually, now that I'm just thinking out loud, I don't think I've ever taken one before. You must have taken a selfie before. I don't think I've ever taken one and then shared it on social media. What do you think of the what do you think of the the term, the phrase, the word selfie? Oh, I don't really have an opinion about it. I mean, I, I it's there and I and I'm using it now. And I'd never really thought given it two thoughts actually. What do you think about it? It just it, I think it just sounds a bit silly. <laughs> just just like it's a, it's just a silly a silly word like you're taking a selfie it's like you've I don't know. Either, well, it either sounds very silly, sort of like a childlike word, or, an, or I suppose a slightly filthy word, but it's not... I, I feel quite uncomfortable saying it. I think I'd still rather say I've taken a picture of myself. See, that sounded rude. Well, I, I was uncomfortable when you said I've taken a picture of myself. Yeah. I'd rather... I'd prefer if you just stuck to selfies. And also, do you never feel weird saying, oh, I tweeted... I mean, come on, we sit, we sit there saying we're twittering and tweeting all day long. Do, all this know, silly. I, I, don't, I don't often say that because I do have a thing about these, these words that we, these sort of words that come into the sort of joined the lexicon like little stupid upstarts with their like new words to, to tweet. And I heard someone saying, someone, I mean, it, I say I heard someone saying, people say it all the time every day, but texted, I texted you. And I thought, that doesn't sound right. And I, I, I would still say I sent you a text message or I sent someone a text message. I wouldn't say I texted you. Yeah, that's true. I texted you that. Mm, I don't say it very often either. But, but uh, yes, I have no problem with the word selfie, although the whole concept of a selfie obviously is ridiculous. Um, but in this case, I think I can be excused for having taken a selfie, uploaded it to social media and got ridiculously excited about it. Because the selfie that I took this week was a photo with the Prime Minister of Denmark, who herself will now be notorious for taking one of the world's most famous selfies ever. Of course, I'm referring to Hella Torningsmith and the selfie that she took at Nelson Mandela's funeral with Obama and David Cameron. You must all know this picture. You must know it, Ian. Well, there's no, there's no doubt that in 10 years' time, she'll look back on... The early, whatever decade we're in, whatever we call it, and uh, she'll look back and she'll say, "Gosh, my mum, we're all doing selfies." First of all, she'll say, "Wasn't that a really stupid word that we used to use?" And, <laughs> and then she'll say, "There's this selfie that I took. It was just, it was just so amazing, and it was with the host of the Right View Life podcast. It was just incredible." <laughs> I know. Well, I, I just have to to share with everybody the fact that I. I mean, I'm not somebody that can accost um, uh, 
well known for people celebrity i was going to say celebrity she's not a celebrity but you know she's obviously a, a world leader um i'm not the kind of person that can just go up and accost them but what, what, I, I, what, what about what about your selfie with jedward yeah that was that was different i think that mm. they need to be accosted <laughs> given a yeah i was going to say a good seeing to but i didn't mean that <laughs> i mean they need to be told to stop being so ridiculous. Pe- people might not even know who Jedward are. Jedward no. are an outrageous Irish um, duo who are identical twins and they wear their hair like gnomes, like the, the gnomes that we all used to collect when we were kids. Or maybe not, I didn't collect them actually. But the ones, trolls, they weren't gnomes. Sorry, they were trolls. Yeah, trolls get very upset if you call them gnomes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I I once took a picture with with those guys, but... You see, there I had to get my my other half, Morton, who's very Danish and has no um, qualms about going up to people and saying, excuse me, can she have a picture with you? I can't do it. But I built up the courage with in this situation this weekend and I did it myself. And I was so nervous when I asked her to, if she would take the picture with me that I was shaking and I nearly couldn't hold my iPhone still. And it was really embarrassing. And so I got all flustered and she had to say to me, you need to push the button at the top, you know, like to turn around the camera. <laughs> she, had to, she had to say that to you. She had to actually help me because I was holding my camera in front of me thinking, the only thing I was thinking was, I'm shaking so much. I can't actually hold this still and take this picture. She's looking at me. Everybody's looking at me. What the hell do I do? And while I was thinking that, she was saying, just need to push the button at the top. <laughs> so it's all very embarrassing, really. But she was lovely. She was very, very gracious, actually, because she'd been asleep. And, you know, she wasn't all, um, you know, perfectly um coiffured and waiting to have a photo taken so um anyway you can see the picture on my twitter profile the flying poet um well we'll put it in the show notes and uh, oh yeah i mean and where could we find the show notes for this episode oh my god you do this to me every week okay you can find it at five by five dot tv slash w f y l slash one one two Fantastic. That's exactly where you can find the show notes. So anything we talk about, more or less anything, will include links to those particular articles or topics or selfies um, at the page just described so wonderfully. Yeah, fantastic. So, um, so yeah, that was my moment of selfie stardom, selfiedom. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, this is, you know, a big achievement for me. Um, what are we going to talk about in terms of writing? Oh, yeah, because that's got absolutely nothing to do with writing, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I noticed this week, as I'm sure many of our listeners did, that um, Hachette UK has been, have been in the news because they um, they are planning to develop something called a social selling campaign this year. Did you see this, Ian, in the news? I've had quite a busy week, so I... If- Busy, busy week for you. Yes, I haven't. Um, I haven't uh, seen any news. I've had some, uh, some, some, some personal business to attend to. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Hachette, they are planning to get readers way more involved in promoting their books, so that if you recommend one of their books to your followers, your friends, whoever online, then you get incentives um, and you get. I mean, all sorts of incentives. It's not just free books or signed books. They're even talking about the fact that you could 
you could become part of the whole publishing process for a book. You could be written in as a character to books. Um, you could actually even have a say in in what books get published that year. Um, so they really are opening this up enormously. So the traditional idea of, you know, they're going to make a book, package it, whop it on the shelf, you're going to buy it. It's just being overturned. Well, I, that's, that's interesting. I haven't read an awful lot about this story, but that's interesting you should... Uh, that that's kind of the model, because that's a, a very Kickstarter-y kind of model, where Kickstarter, of course, is the is the platform where you can say, I've got this great idea, I would like to make this product, or I would like to write this book, and people can give you money for it in advance so they can pay for it. Let's say it's a book, they could say, right, well, you can you can fund this book, the writing of it, by giving me £10, and that will get you the book. If you give me £15, you'll get the book, and you'll get a free poster. If you give me £20, you'll get a book, a poster, and a signed photo, or something like that, and on and on. And that's the Kickstarter model, so they collect the money, they write the book, and then the, that person gets the money. And all those people who have previously supported the project then get whatever it is that they... Uh, whatever whatever the, whatever the prize it was equivalent to what they funded. Mm-hmm. Another way of doing this is through a website we've talked about previously. I, th- I believe you were my co-host at the time. And that's Patreon. Yes? Was that us? No. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, I think it was, actually. Sorry. Well, Patreon is a very... It's similar in that it has those different levels of funding. I can't think of a better word, but of funding a project. But it's for a project that already already exists, and it's the idea of if, of patronage, really. And I signed up... To, I've been looking at page, Patreon for a while, and um, I actually funded my first project this very week, or maybe it was maybe it was over the weekend, um, project called... Um, a podcast called Tea and Jeopardy by um, a friend of the show, Emma Newman, who is a sort of fantasy uh, writer. Um, her books are published with um, Angry Robots. And um, and she does this sort of podcast, which is is not quite like ours, but it's a, inter- interviews with, with uh, authors. And But she has this whole kind of story around it. The idea is that the authors, as they... And the authors that she interviews sort of play along, that they come into... Um, I don't know. They had like a, a certain scenario, like a like a, a layer of some sort of kind, and she sort of, you know, it's basically a writer's interview wrapped around some kind of story. And um, so she started taking funding through patronage, as far as sorry, through Patreon, and it's the same sort of model. So you can pay a dollar, I think, just to say thanks. The podcast is free, by the way, so that's a different thing to Kickstarter. So you can just listen to this podcast for free anyway, um, or you can help help pay for it and fund it. Um, and you can pay $3, $5 and upwards for different levels of things, including having a character in the podcast, so in this kind of surrounding story that you can pay for characters. And finally, just to finish up on Patreon, it's something I've been thinking of using because I've been actually writing it, believe it or not. I've actually almost got a finished pilot, I'm calling it, for a, um, a kind of fictional podcast um and i was thinking of using patreon excuse me i was thinking of using a uh, patreon for that, what was that Ian? What <laughs> it was just a noise that my computer made oh okay. i've got no idea what it actually was telling me nothing's appeared on my screen it was just the noise i thought it was a bodily function 
Well, that's why I apologise, because I thought it might have been as well. You can never be quite <laughs> sure sometimes. I don't know about you. Really? Well. That's a sign of age, that really is, when you don't know. Who, who's done that? Oh, I'm sorry, it was me. It wouldn't be the first time someone said to me, have you, um, and I've gone, you know, I've no idea. <laughs> and it's I, worrying. It is worrying. I've been thinking, I'd like to say I know what I know everything that's coming out of me. <laughs> that was supposed to be a positive comment. I'm in control of what's going on. Anyway, carry on. So I've been thinking of using Patreon for um uh, for this podcast and I was going to do the same thing so you can listen to the podcast for free or you can um you can pay me a small amount and I will send you a script every time I publish it and or I will pay me more and I will send you a script and maybe I'll include you as a character in this fictional podcast set in a leisure center um and on and on um so it is I think there is definitely um something in it mm, difficult absolutely. difficult to find enough people I think to pay for something that they can get for free anyway to make it a fully fledged business but then if you're Hachette and you have a very well known author then the huge fan base is already there and they will probably happily pay a little money to gain access to those kinds of things but actually I think in this case they're talking about the fact that it's you don't even have to pay this is going to be clicks this is going to be clicks of the mouse this is Ah, going to be sharing links telling your friends and doing absolutely nothing, really. Um, but, I mean, you know, that's a, a very popular trend at the moment. You know, clout. Um, oh, I love clout. You, you've got a bit of clout. Do you know, sometimes I think if only I could have more clout. Really? Mm. Yeah. I start, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I think it's a, once you start getting into that, there's no way back looking at your clout score and seeing what's going on there. I mean, it's, it's, it's nonsense, though, isn't it? Well, it's nonsense, but I see the airlines um, uh, and various other organisations, I'm sure, are starting to give also people with big clout scores uh, incentives. They can use um, uh, exclusive lounges and things like that in airports now if you've got a good clout score. Well, I, I, I can then repeat what I just said. It sounds like nonsense. <laughs> it's nonsense, but it's uh, it's making things happen for people. If you want a comfortable seat in an airport, then it's pretty darn useful. Yeah, and if you want to get free books, if you love reading and you want to to get books or get written into books. So is that the way that this would work with 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 book buying? Is that the more books you bought, the more you a bit like a, is it a bit like a, a royalty card, a bit like a, a bit like a literary nectar card? <laughs> I think it's just literally if you can if you can show that you have been sharing their content or you know. Talking, making a bit of fuss online about their books, then you are going to be getting rewards for that. I mean, it's it's almost like bypassing traditional salespeople in publishing. You know, I mean, there's not, you know, instead of getting sending salespeople out on the road, driving around, and, and publicists sitting doing their bits and bobs, just just whack something up online and and see, get people to share it for you for free. Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing, and I I have a little experience in this field. I've been um, as in, in my business, one of my one of my clients is with doing um, social media work, and it is for a very a very famous, very well known author, um, and and we've had these discussions about how how do we get people to share it, and it's not in a kind of um, 
ruthless who cares we just you know we don't want to do the work kind of way but just how best to kind of get content to spread and share around and 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 that kind of thing and um the the reality is that i we've uh, that i I've, I've found and i think there's a general truth is that you can have those kinds of schemes and they do kind of work but absolutely nothing beats having if if it's someone who's popular or someone who's well known or someone who has a big audience there is you really can't beat something that comes directly from them you can have really sort of interesting campaigns that take off and you can get people involved ask them to share things doing a campaign at the moment and it's going you know it's really popular because we're directly asking people to do something you know relatively interesting and fun and sort of engage with the author's books but it's um nothing all of those updates nothing beats an update that is clearly directly from the author themselves um showing what they're doing in their everyday life because you know think of the things that you love the things that you're the things that you're a huge fan of imagine if the danish prime minister if they you know you're you're looking for her selfies aren't you you're not looking for her team's selfies so to speak um you want to directly engage with that person themselves and um it's true and um and, and and so it is a it is a challenge to try and to build up those campaigns to have that kind of social spreading. I don't know what the phrases are. Maybe I should use these phrases more often. I know them when I have to refer to them. It is quite <laughs> difficult to do that. I have I had another idea for a project which is probably not going to come to fruition. But there's there's a website called 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 Thunderclap. Thunder, yes. Thunderclap dot it. Dot it Italian? Um, no, it's not Italian, but I, it sounds like I think that they're probably using an Italian. I assume that is the the uh, suffix for um, Italian URLs, but um, mm. I presumably they've just nicked it so that you can thunderclap it. That's my assumption. Mm. Okay, yeah. But the way that works is that people can put on mostly, I think, charitable projects or things that they're raising money for, and. Um, Excuse me, and that no um, no money changes hands, but people give some sort of social um, social. What do they give us? A social kind of uh, uh, guarantee of some kind. So you put a project on there, and you say, so let's say we want to raise a thousand pounds for the ongoing publication. No, it can't be. So that's a commercial thing. So it's thousand pounds for well just let's say a charity so let's say some kind of charity and um you put your project on there and then you ask people to go and instead of saying give us 10 pounds to this charity you say will you give me a tweet or a facebook like or a tumblr post or something like that and if you do that you agree to do that and the text is already sort of written for you um and you say, yes, I'm happy to tweet this on my account because I want to support you. It doesn't happen straight away. So it doesn't just get immediately tweeted or Facebooked or whatever. Um, it builds up into a certain date. So much like a Kickstarter project has, let's say, 30 days before it ends and you have to get funded within those 30 days. Thunderclap projects, they have 30 days in order to collect as many tweets, likes, etc. as possible. And then when it's over all of those tweets that have been collected and all of those Facebook likes all get pushed out at the same time to all of these people who've supported you, uh, supported your projects. It all gets put out to their timelines at the same time. The idea being that um, that uh, 
rather than have it sort of these, those those messages of support go out in dribs and drabs and not really get noticed, that it's all sent out at the same time and it comes across as this big campaign. And the idea is that you would get more kind of social um, kind of proof out of it or get some kind of uh, social, I don't know, it would just do better. It would be a more successful campaign if everything went out at the same time and it would feel like a campaign. And I guess as a project organiser, you wouldn't have to worry about constant drip dripping of tweets and stuff you would, it would just be you know this is the start of the campaign yeah so that's Very cool. that's that exists thunderclap.it exists that will be in the show notes um so i was thinking wouldn't that be brilliant for book promotions and and book campaigns and this is perhaps a good segue into our main topic because um one of the difficulties of launching a book we've been talking about the publishing process the last three weeks one of the difficulties is that once it gets published, there is, excuse me, there is a tension on your book for a short period of time and support from your publisher for a short period of time. And then that's it. You kind of have to fend for yourself after a while, unless you've got a huge marketing budget and you're a big author. So I thought that I've been thinking that maybe if there was a thunderclap for book promotion, that would be really useful and people could sort of say right my book's coming out in i want to do a campaign for my book in 30 days i would like you to tweet buy this book it's brilliant with a link and people could go on and support the book you could build up all these this this kind of these tweets and these likes and then at the end of the uh, at the end of the kind of support cycle all of those would go out and you've got the start of a really sort of widespread campaign what do you think should i take this to the dragon's den <laughs> <laughs> it's already been there, hasn't it? I think, yeah, it's a great idea. What interests me is that if you if you wanted to put a project up on Thunderclap to try to get people to socially support it um, up to a certain date, you know, how does how does Thunderclap get people on board to pledge their social support? As in, how how much effort do they go to make it happen for you? Like how? Who is looking at Thunderclap and thinking I'm going to go on there and I'm going to support people socially? Well, like I, th- it's- I think you're right. I think that is a problem. I think that and uh, with Kickstarter. So if we look at the Kickstarter model, you could easily browse Kickstarter and look for, for for basically things that you want and that you want to support because you want the product or you want the book or whatever. Mm. No one really goes around a kind of a list of charities thinking which ones am I going to give ten pounds a year to now. Um, so I agree that there is that problem with it. So I think a lot of it relies on someone, actually, you know, the, the person who sets up the project really pushing it themselves through their own yeah. channels. I don't know how much, I don't know how many people are going to Thunderclap just because they want to support stuff. I think yeah. it's more a case of providing the technology and the model in order to, in order for people to kind of do those kind of Thunderclaps. Absolutely, no, it's a, it's a really interesting idea. It's fantastic. Um, just to finish off on on the the whole um, social selling campaign from Hachette, just uh, with regards to my own book, I was thinking I think that it would be quite an interesting idea for. I know you were saying that like there's nothing beats like you know a big name online, absolutely in terms of content sharing. But when I think about my own book when it was published, the one thing that I was banking on was okay. First of all, this is a poetry book so very few people are going to buy it in general secondly it's published in Ireland so you know that's already going to limit its market 
So what I really was banking on, obviously, was my own friends network and my own social network. What really surprised me was out of my own personal friends, I'm not just talking about online friends, but my own friends, how little online support there was. And it was, you know, they they were all really excited when they spoke to me and talking about it and saying they were going to buy it and things like that. Fantastic. But getting my friends to share bits of information about it or engage with it online, I think because it was a poetry book, was extremely difficult. If you're going to have difficulty getting your friends to support you, I mean, for God's sakes, you are screwed, (laughs) aren't you, really? Are you sure these people were your friends? (laughs) They are my friends, and lots of them have actually bought the book, you know. But it's, it's just, it's amazing how, I mean, first of all, it depends how active your friends are online and and how they engage with content online I'm you know a lot of my friends are not going to be sharing book posts or posts about books but you know this is from a different angle this is like you know hello look my friend's written a book whatever I think I back at the start should have been thinking about rather than just telling my friends about the book I should have been giving them bits of information that they could share further and Actually, I feel like getting off now and actually going and writing some content that they can share. I'm going to do it. Because, you know, you need to, like, think about it in that way now. You need to think, okay, I need to get my personal friends, my own ambassadors, sharing my book online. And with something like this social selling, for publishers that have slightly smaller um, authors, not smaller as in height, because I'm not very tall, it would also count me in. (laughs) But you know, not big names. I think this would be a really interesting prospect for them as well. Do you think that you've realised all this because you have been working as someone who does this kind of promotion f- for a living since, not really, not since you, it's been published, but it sort of about the same sort of time you started doing that work more, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, do you mean in, in publishing industry or on social media? Uh, sorry, so the the stuff that you do with Visit Denmark is more about that kind of just think that kind of thinking. Right, I need to create content that my friends yeah. can share rather than just expect them to do it themselves. Do you think that's come from having worked in that kind of type of work? Absolutely, it has. But uh, what's weird is that I think up until now I kind of saw them quite separate as, as separate entities. You know, like I thought that that my my network would be excited about my book, which they were, and I thought that that would be enough. And because I didn't want to push it and because I'm very British and I thought, oh, no, but I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to annoy people online. I didn't I wasn't very active with my book online at all. So. um, So, yeah, I think it would be quite interesting to um, to get back on it again. I just need to start doing it again. I'm I'm suddenly spurred on, Ian, (laughs) to go and promote my book. (laughs) Go for it. Don't mind me. See ya. yeah, so, uh, so well, I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on Hachette and how it goes. I mean, they've already started, apparently. They they have been doing um, projects, um, social sharing. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see how that goes for them. Indeed. But this is, this is kind of going to be, we're already kind of covering our topic, aren't we? Yes, I think this week we were going to carry on um, the publishing process um, that we've been going through the last few weeks. We've run out of your list points. Um, we finished those off last week, didn't we, when we were talking about um, agents? Yeah, was that I, last week? I like to think that this that, uh, it was more about once, once you've been... But were you listening? I think it's been more about um, 
the, the, that was more about the publishing process and what happens up until the point your book gets published. And now we're just kind of going to just talk very briefly. This is like a bonus episode um, where we uh, we're just just about the kind of the whole what happens next, really, kind of when once you once your book is launched. But, I mean, this was your idea, so you tell me what you think we should talk about. Because <laughs> I've, I've had a very tough week, so I, I've got no idea. I barely know I'm even here. Well. We're glad to have you, Ian. Uh, it's um, yes. It was mentioned last week. Launches. We talked about launches and how not everybody has a launch. But um, I thought it'd be quite interesting just to quickly touch upon book launches, mm. why, what they are for, whether you need to have one in the first place, and what you can expect from them. Um, and we both had. I mean, I had a very small launch, but you had a proper book launch. You would call it that, wouldn't you? Traditional book launch. Yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I used to uh, be responsible for the events for a publishing company, so I organised a fair few book launches during my time there. I wasn't there for very long, and then I left um, left the country. Not in a hurry, I wasn't being chased out or anything. But, uh, but yeah, so um, I thought it was really, really interesting, the decision about when you had a book coming down the line, whether or not it was going to have a launch. And I don't know whether your publisher talked to you about whether you would have a launch or whether it was just a given that you would have a launch. It was always a given for me because I'd spent so long writing this book and this, as I've said many times, it was like a childhood dream fulfilled that this book was going to be an actual book published. And so, you know, I dreamt of the launch, so I had to have one. Um... I think typically I would have had a launch in London and ideally I would have invited some at least one or two fancy Dan people to come along and and enjoy that launch with me. Um you know and and my agent who's based in London would you know would have been able to have gone to the launch and 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 everything and then I would have perhaps have had a smaller thing in Sheffield perhaps just for family and friends just to kind of celebrate. Um let's call it a more of a party. But I I had Three weeks, uh, three weeks after the book launch or the book came out was when we had our twins. So I didn't feel like I could swan off to London um, in with uh, my wife in that position. So I had the book launch in Sheffield, my home, sit- my home city, and um, and um, and I. It meant that I pretty much arranged it all my all myself, to be honest. Um, the publisher helped do a, a flyer, but apart from that, it was it was me who who got the venue, organised, um, you know, tickets and all those kinds of things. And the publisher did send someone along to kind of help out on the night, but um, I ended up doing quite a lot, which was fine. I didn't mind that because you know it meant that I could do it my way, and and I, and, I, and I did really think about what it was. But I've I've kind of got having having run a spoken word night before. Um, which was which was quite successful as a spoken word night which you know success, spoken spoken word nights can be quite dreary affairs ours wasn't because we only let people talk for three minutes um and it meant that the thing was quite fast and quick paced so when i was doing this was the first time that i'd ever done something where it was basically me for 40 40 minutes or so reading um i wanted to try and split things up a little bit so i i I sort of read lots of small bits and then I got someone to interview me and then the rest of it was just sort of drinking wine and eating some cakes, I think. But the main reason for having a book launch was because you can get people 
in one room and sell 60 to 100 books in one go because it's your launch and everyone's happy you know they've come for a reason and they will probably buy a physical book and 60 to 100 books is not to be sniffed at absolutely yep so it's um it was a it was you know it, not only was it a, a celebration it was a, an opportunity to you know sell some sell some uh, some books totally yeah and um where did you have it did you say Sorry, did you mention that i was i, was I didn't I had it at the Lantern Theatre in Sheffield, which was it's a very it's old Victorian theatre, beautiful sort of building. And I had it on that with like a proper stage and everything. You see, that's interesting. I'm not sure whether it's the same now. I mean, it was I was working, doing um, book launches back in 2011, Yeah, I believe. Yeah, um, not that long ago. But back then, um, you know, first and foremost, or depending on the size of a launch, um, it was always desirable to to do something with a bookshop so that the book sales could be counted into Nielsen book scan, you know, to, to be counted towards book sales. Okay, yeah. Um, because if you did the event somewhere else then the and and the books came through the publisher like that, then it they didn't count in the same way. So that was something which was interesting. So I mean you may not if you if you have a book published or if you're going to have a book published and you're thinking about a launch then that's that was a reason to have it in a bookshop. It's a good reason, I think, because yeah. you might have had grand ideas about doing it somewhere extravagant. Yeah, no, that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. I think it was all a bit short notice, so I didn't quite. And there aren't that many bookshops in in Sheffield. We only have one large bookshop, and that's Wardstones in town. And I could yeah. have had it there. I guess I could have asked, but you know, I'd have heaven another thing is then you. You get footfall of like people on the streets as well outside. If you, um, depending on what time they close, um, we did do a few with the bookshop when it was still open, which was quite interesting because you know you get extra people in. Not that they're going to come in necessarily and buy books, but they're seeing that it's happening and they're seeing the publisher's name and all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. Um, I, I it was a really great job. I love doing it. I mean, it's a lot of pressure with some of these big big launches. You know, we did. I did one once in um, Dublin Castle. Nice. Which was, yeah, it was cool. It was for um, the first ever um, translation from Irish to English of one of Ireland's greatest living Irish language poets who has a fantastic name, Maura Mognity. If you see it written on paper, that is not what you would say, but that's how you pronounce it. How do you spell it? Um, do not ask me. Well, I, 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 need, I need to put it in the show notes, so it's actually very important. Well, I, I can write it to you, but it involves <laughs> capital letters in the middle of words. That's crazy. That, he's made that up. It's crazy. Oh, it's a woman. <laughs> she's made that up. Um, yeah, so she was, uh, she's very old, and um, that, that launch was filmed as well for part of a documentary, um, and she was asked questions on stage, um, and it was a very grand affair, and it was very exciting. And sometimes you know launches can be events in themselves and a reason for book reviewers and you know columnists to come along of course which is nice um so yeah so that was other reason to have a book launch to celebrate a writer's life as well that was cool it was interesting having children's lists and adult lists together because you tended to do more book launches for adult books, whereas with children's books, you weren't always going to do it. And, you know, a lot of authors that have just published a children's book, um, you know, think, okay, well, now I'm going to have a launch. But it's quite difficult to say to them, well, no, you're not. 
And why are they not, you know? Why are they not? Yeah, why Why not? Just a question of money. You know, if a publisher has to uh, spread out the resources, then they, then that's that tends to be where they have to say, sorry, we just can't afford it. Um, but, you know, with my with my book, I just organised a little thing myself as well in a bookshop. Um, and it was more for me, it was just like a personal celebration, a personal milestone. I didn't sell millions of copies because not millions of people came along. But then I was also doing it in a foreign country where, um, you know, the majority of people speak that such a weird language anyway. I mean, you've done everything possible not to sell your book, I think. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I've done everything possible to sell my book in not the most effective way. <laughs> no, no, I just meant... I, thank I, you. I, you I take that back. <laughs> I, I specifically meant moving to a different country to the one that it's published in. Oh, I know, I know. I, that's the immediate thing I thought, oh, why am I not over there? It would have been so, so much easier, but, um, but never mind, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, so book launches, great fun. I can't think that I've actually been to that many book launches that weren't people I knew, people I was organising the book launch for. Um, have you been to many launches? Uh, a couple, but I, do, I, I agree. I think that the most important thing is to use it as a celebration of, of your achievements, because it is a huge achievement. And I think that that's the primary, the primary reason to have one, I think. Yeah. Have a glass of wine. Yeah. So, um, so that was book launches. And the book launch, obviously, as I said, can be a good, a good thing for publicity, but not necessary. No, not it's not, not, not essential at all. And it's probably more important to do something on the internet these days to have a, have a kind of a, a campaign of sorts or just, just to be ready. I remember, I remember the day that I was working, actually, but I do remember that the day that the book came out being just sat, sat with Twitter and main, well, Facebook with, you know, for friends I know mainly, but just ready to go, ready to answer questions, ready to repeatedly tell people it was on sale, just to celebrate me, me, me. <laughs> and, um, and um, and it was a bit like that, you know. Obviously, I was prompting those conversations, but it was great. It was really, it was a very exciting day, um, and I, I didn't necessarily, again, partly because I wasn't really in a personal position to be very well prepared for the book. I was, but I was, I was still, you know, very excited and 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 very available to people with questions and 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 to put things, you know, out there. Um, but there are lots of other things we can do. I mean, it's kind of uh, we we are running out of time once more. But um, I, I I do th- it was more it was more about. I mean, I had a, a very unusual situation in that my book came out and it was immediately part of an Amazon promotion where the Kindle version was being sold for ninety nine p, and so that was really weird that I was kind of going, "Hey, I've just published a book after ten years of writing it, and it's ninety nine pence." <laughs> yeah, and. Um, and I know that's, you know, especially back then, that was, uh, back then, it was only a couple of years ago, <laughs> but that was, that was uh, that price point was where a lot of the self-publishing people were putting their books. And um, and I remember sort of, I, I remember thinking that it, it sounded like I was pushing a self-published book, not that there'd be anything particularly wrong with that, but it just it wasn't what, it wasn't the case. So, uh, but it, what it did mean was that I had a, really good kind of hook because it was cheap so i could publish it and say look this thing i've been working on and look it's extremely cheap and we sold loads and loads of books that was you know even now it's still by far the most most um fruitful period of trying to sell the book 
was that initial initial blast when it was extremely cheap on Amazon. You know, you never know how many of those people went on to actually read the damn thing. But um, so, you so yourself have confessed to have bought some of those promotional books and still have them waiting. I have a few Be books ready. waiting, yes, but they're more mainly more well known than my book. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it is you, you do a book launch is something that you do tend to uh, to tend to have, but it's very sensible to be prepared to get going online as well. And to ideally, you would have some kind of structured campaign. We don't really have time to cover this now, but you you would ideally have like a blog tour set up. So that's something else that people do, where they prearrange various blogs in order that, to write guest posts for or to. Um, be to have interviews so that was another thing that was good for me is that I had interviews on different blogs with me about the book um, and of course they are permanent things um, uh, that will always be there and um, and reviews are obviously extremely important so I had a couple of good reviews there was one in the Daily Mail which is a national newspaper in the UK and that was a, a really a positive review and one in Time Out which was really positive as well you yourself had one in the Irish Times didn't you which is really good I did that was very exciting yeah yeah and another broadsheet in Ireland as well the Sunday Business Post yeah but yeah and that's the whole idea about blog touring was something which I knew I had to do and I just personally in terms of having the the steam and the time to be able to do it myself I just couldn't do it and I was I was gutted that I do this again see I'm just making all these excuses the fact that I didn't set up any sort of blog tour. No, but it's difficult. This is the point. This is the reason it's worth talking about it and saying it, because if you do want to do those things, then it's an awful lot of time to invest in it. And one of the things that I've been thinking about recently, I may have even said this last week, is just, just reassessing. I, I, I'm aware I've been doing this for two years. Anyone that's been listening to this podcast for any length of time will know that I've been constantly reassessing what I should actually be doing on the internet. But I am, apart from the podcast, which is the only constant, because I love it so... But um, is what what is worth it? What is it worth doing? How much time do I need to invest in a blog tour to get out what I need to get out of it? And the answer is almost always an awful lot. So mm. to 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 do anything, you know, it just it's it's just not easy to just say, well, we'll have a blog tour because you have to a blog tour. Let's say you do, let's say you go, you write pieces for ten blogs, and each of those pieces is let's say five hundred words. That's a five thousand words you need to come up with, and ten different ideas, and you need to write those, and then you need to have a bit of to and fro with the person whose blog it is you're publishing them on, and you know it's an, it's an awful lot of time investment, and it's why repeatedly saying it's why the very the most successful people who are in self who self publish their books. Uh, say the same thing is that you need to treat it like a business but if 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 you don't have the time to treat it like a business and i'm again i'll say this you, people who say you know you make time they can just kiss my ass especially that's right <laughs> i'll americanize that for you um <laughs> what would then, you have said otherwise bottom uh i would have said uh butox <laughs> um that would sound almost polite <laughs> like people polite. would say oh thank you i will um, because it's true that you, not everyone does have the time. I, you do not have the time if you have two very young children, or you have you know illness, or you have uh, um, or some kind of difficult work matter. You don't always always have the time to have a full time job and then go on a blinking blog tour. So true. Um, and that's not to say you shouldn't try and have time and try and invest the time. And you know the very fact that we're this is book promotion for us. I mean, let's not 
Let's not be daft about it. As much as we both enjoy doing the, this podcast, ideally we'd very much like you listeners to pop along and buy our books after you've listened. We know that it probably isn't going to happen. But, um, you know, it's not an entirely selfless, selfless act. But you are going to pop the links in so that they can just <laughs> click and just click and then buy and that's it, aren't you, Ian? In the show notes. I'm not, because that would be mercenary, to say the least. So I won't do that, <laughs> but, you know, a quick Google search won't uh, take long. But anyway, you know, these things do take a lot of time, and, and you, it's best to be prepared. I think that we both both of us are in a difficult position when it comes to advice, is because all of the advice that we would give, I don't think we necessarily took ourselves, just because of circumstances. You were moving house, having a... Either were you pregnant or having had just had a newborn baby? I was... Yeah, I was I was you know three weeks away from becoming a dad to twins for the first time. Hopefully, the only time. Oh, I don't mean that. That sounded terrible. <gasps> but you know what I mean. Yeah. And but uh, I mean, it's it, it's still important, isn't it? If you can have thought about these things, to have had them in the back of your mind, even if you're not going to be able to do them, I think it's really important anyway. Just to say, I mean, in terms of experience for next time or whatever, or if you do manage to have the time just to have sat down, I don't, I mean, you know, I did that when I first had my book published, how I wanted to approach it in terms of publicity, did my own little loose plan, obviously sent along all my contacts and everything to the publisher um, and ideas for people that I thought might be interested in, in talking about the book. But for myself, I still thought about what I wanted to do, even if I wasn't able to do it. Yeah, and and the key thing is don't rely on your publisher to do it, not because they don't want to, but because they simply won't have the time or money to actually do exactly what you would like them to do, um, yeah. because it just it's just not it's just not possible. You are expected in this day and age to do something yourself, um, especially online. So just be prepared for that. But we should do our listeners' question because we are we are, we are blathering on. Listeners' question. Well, he went up there on the last note. I always did. Well, I always do. I think if we. <laughs> I always meant to. I always did on the inside. Anyway, um, this week's question is from Karen Elizabeth. And Hi, Karen. She, hello. Hang on. Do you think it's Elizabeth Karen and she's written it around the, the opposite way? How do you spell Karen? K E double R Y N. I think of those two names, the one that sounds most like a first name is Elizabeth. Hmm. Interesting. Could have to investigate further. Anyway, Karen Elizabeth, I'm not going <laughs> to... You <laughs> go for it. No, I'm not going to. Um, has asked us a question on Twitter, and this is something which I myself was wondering back when I first started writing poetry. Which genre to write for, question mark? Knowing it's the right fit, and when to trust your own judgment over others. Now, I have told our listeners before that I started writing children's picture books and a little bit with, I dabbled with um, older texts for children before I started writing poetry and I really enjoyed it and I didn't have any luck with getting published. As soon as I sat down to start writing poetry, once I was like, oh, hang on a minute, and I got more kind of into poetry, it was just, it was a whole different ball game. I think I knew it because it was all I wanted to do. And when, you know, the difference was I really enjoyed writing picture books and I really wanted to get it right. But it was not what I was just thinking, oh, God, that, that spare minute I've got now, I just really want to go and write that poem. Or, oh, my God, I've got an idea for a poem, I need to go and write it. It was, it was just, it was very obvious. I don't know whether you had the same experience. 
Um, yes, I did actually. In terms of what type of book I wanted, uh, what, you know, kind of not not really genre, but what type of book. So I was writing short stories. As soon as I started writing the novel, I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm better at. And I've written on the blog about this before that um, you know, experiment because what you think you are best at writing might not actually be what you are best at writing. In terms mm-hmm. of genre, I think most people would probably just write what they like writing. I think if you didn't like, for example, writing reading thrillers then writing one would seem a bit of an odd thing to do. Um, in my case, I've always sort of read, not always, but primarily read literary fiction, did an English degree, I suppose, which doesn't help. Um, and um, and so it was just naturally what I wanted to write. And also I have this kind of interest in the everyday, and it's quite hard to write a thriller about, um, you know, a man walking his dog, unless something very exciting happens. Hmm. But but I, but I could never quite imagine what that exciting thing is because I always end up thinking, you know, I'm very much as the sort of writer who thinks, well, that wouldn't happen, that's implausible. I can't imagine myself writing science fiction, for example, because I would always be going, well, come on, that doesn't, that's not real. I realise that's not how it actually works, and you know, that's interesting, and maybe that will change for you over time because I'm quite sure that what you want to write or what you're interested in changes over time as well. So we're sitting here saying this now, but give us 20 years, we'll probably both be writing, um, I don't know, Twilight follow-ups. And then hopefully turning them <laughs> into some sort of erotica sensation and becoming squillionaires. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Well, there we go. Got our next writing projects set up. Indeed. Well, yes, good luck, though. Um, finding, well, I mean, actually... We'd love to know, Karen Elizabeth, what it is you're writing, what you're interested in. We'd like to know that from all of you. It's been really nice. We've noticed, we were discussing beforehand since moving over to 5x5, five five, that uh, we've had more correspondence, which has been nice. We, you know, People are getting in touch, saying nice things about the podcast and asking questions and generally bothering us, which we very much welcome. So, love um, love so, a bit of bothering. Indeed. So please do so, you know, any questions about writing, just ask and we'll either answer them on the podcast or maybe even by email or yeah, Twitter. or even on Twitter, at The Flying Poets Me. Well, what about you, Ian? Uh, at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-O-O-M-E. Um, yeah, get in touch. Do it. We'd love to see you on there. And um, thanks very much for listening and thanks, Ian, for, uh, for another lovely podcast. <laughs> well, it's absolutely Episode. no problem at all. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Will do. Ta-ta. Bye.